Like Bob on Facebook at facebook.com slash Live. Okay, if you are a real dyed-in-the-wool political animal and you're a Republican and a conservative, you are encouraged today because of what happened in Virginia. Uh, The governor, the lieutenant governor, getting the uh, Republican majority back in the House of Representatives in uh, what has become a real blue Democrat state. Okay, uh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And and I'm encouraged, you know. I think that's a, I think it's a step in the right direction. But let me make something very very clear from my point of view. The political future of America is important and it impacts all of us. But the spiritual future of America is far 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 more important. Uh, Every day, when we begin this program at 3.30, I have a little opening, and uh, I can't even quote it verbatim, even though I'm the one that says it. Uh, What's happening in the pulpits and the pews of America is far more important than what's happening in Washington, D.C., in the White House, in Congress, and I honestly, truly believe that. So while I am encouraged by what happened yesterday politically, I would be far, far, far more encouraged if I began hearing stories of real, serious, spiritual revival. And may I add to that? Real revival, and I'm talking real revival, begins not with a bunch. Real revival does not begin with a big evangelistic crusade and 4,000 people accepting Christ as Savior. That would be wonderful. That would be fantastic if there was a big evangelistic crusade and 4,000 people gave their hearts to Christ. That's wonderful, but that's not a revival. A revival means you're vived again. (laughs) Okay. A real revival, if you study the history of revival, and I'm, I'm not an expert on revival, but I am a student of revival through the years, through the centuries, different places in the world. Real revival begins at the church. Real revival begins with God's people repenting and getting their hearts right with God. That's when real revival begins, when God's people really get their hearts right with God. You will never find a revival any time in the history of the Christian church that did not begin with a movement of repentance and revival among God's people. Did that result in people accepting Christ and people getting saved? Great evangelistic outreaches? Yes, yes, that was the result. However, that was not the cause. And I want to say what I have stressed 
for over 30 years and doing a program on WRFD Radio. 21 and a half daily and 10 or 11 on Saturdays before that. The real answer to America's problems is not the next election. Is it important? Yes. But that's not the real answer. And that's why I was so deeply concerned, and I tried to express it often, in the last presidential election. Did I have a candidate that I wanted to win? Yes. Absolutely. Did I feel strongly about it? Yes. But I was so deeply concerned about how many Christians honestly thought that Donald Trump was going to be their savior. If we could just get him elected again, he would be our savior. I think Donald Trump was a good president. Drove me crazy sometimes. But I think that what he accomplished was great, but he was not, could not, will not be anybody's savior. And I was so deeply concerned that so many Christians went head over heels in almost radically supporting a political candidate far more than their allegiance to Jesus. I knew a whole lot of Christians who were far more excited about getting Donald Trump elected than serving Jesus or telling other people about Jesus. And folks, that's unbalanced. I um, I am encouraged by the fact that people are waking up about what's happening in the educational system. I really am. I am encouraged that at least in a couple of states yesterday, people of all different political stripes and persuasions said, you know what? The direction we're going is not good, and we need to change direction. That's good. But I just want to remind all of us. Second Chronicles 7.14, which Christians claim and quote all the time, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and then do what? Turn from their wicked ways. Their. Who? God's people. And I'm just, every time I read that, I'm reminded that the people of God, the nation of Israel, and again, Second Chronicles chapter 7 occurs immediately after the dedication of Solomon's temple. And I mean immediately after the temple has been dedicated. And there is this wonderful seven-day celebration of the presence of God in the temple. And immediately after that, God comes to Solomon and says, um, you know, I really appreciate the worship and all of the emotion about the temple and all that, but God basically tells Solomon, I I know my people. And it won't be long before they're going to forget all of this. They're going to turn their back on me. They're going to be turning to idols. They're going to be turning to the gods of this world. And then I'm going to be forced again 
to bring my judgment upon them, to bring them to repentance. It's not that I want to. I will be forced to do it again. And when I do, if my people, which are called by my name, they were surrounded by a bunch of pagans and heathen. God didn't say anything about them. He said the key to the revival is my people. I obviously am not opposed to political participation by any means. Not opposed to that at all. As long as we keep our priorities right. And that we understand that a spiritual revival in your church and my church is far more important than any election. We participate in the elections. We pray about the elections. We don't put our faith and trust in any politician or any election or any political party. That is not where we put our trust. And from time to time, we all need to be reminded of that. Uh, When we come back, let me give you an illustration of just how compromised Christianity has become in many circles, how far away from biblical truth we have strayed when we come back. Follow Bob on Twitter at twitter.com slash Live. So, sometimes I read a story and I simply say, what Bible are you reading? And that's the case with this story. It's about the uh, president of Union Theological Seminary. And uh, sometimes I kid around about a seminary becoming a cemetery. Well, in the case of Union Theological Seminary, the word cemetery is far, far, far more appropriate than seminary. It has become a place where young people go to die theologically. Uh, if if you go to Union Theological Seminary believing the Bible, it's most likely that you will come out doubting the Bible, criticizing the Bible. That has been their history for quite some time. Well, the president, Serene Jones, has uh, spoken out about the Texas abortion law, the Texas heartbeat bill that's been before the Supreme Court this week. And she has said that the Texas heartbeat bill is unchristian. Yeah, a law that saves the lives of unborn babies. The president of a prominent American seminary says that's unchristian. And she put it in an editorial. She said, quote, 
as a Christian, a Bible scholar. Now, I would love to ask Serene Johnson, president of Union Theological Seminary, I'd like to just ask her one question. Do you believe that the Bible is inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God? I already know what she would say, but I'd love to ask her. Because she is claiming she is a Bible scholar. Well, my first my first question is, do you believe that the Bible is filled with errors? Or do you believe it's error-free and infallible? Well, anyway, she says, as a Christian, a biblical scholar and a mother, it is infuriating that lawmakers would twist and distort our sacred text to give the government the power to force women to carry a child to term. Here is someone who is at the head of a seminary who delights in twisting and distorting our sacred text. But she wasn't finished. Listen to this, and I quote. Now, remember, this woman is the president of one of the most prestigious seminaries in America. She says this, The Bible doesn't say that abortion is a sin and has no explicit definition of when life begins. The reality, listen to this, the reality is that abortion only became a rallying cry for conservative Christians and particularly evangelicals when Republicans decided it was politically advantageous to do so. How stupid could the president of a major seminary be as to ignore Christian history? Like, take 15 minutes and do a little bit of research about what the church through the centuries has believed about abortion. And then she says, abortion only became a rallying cry for conservative Christians, and particularly evangelicals, when Republicans decided it was politically advantageous to do so. Anybody want to guess how many hundreds of years the Catholic Church has considered abortion to be murder? Does this woman have no academic understanding of the history of the church? Now, regardless of the theological history, the academic history. How could she say that abortion has only become a rallying cry recently for conservative Christians and particularly evangelicals and those evil Republicans? This woman is dumber than a box of rocks. And she's the president of a seminary. She says the Christian faith requires protecting the lives and well-being of women by allowing them reproductive freedom, not taking steps to eliminate it. The Texas law is particularly unchristian. The bottom line is no government should have the power to force women to carry a pregnancy to term. Any faith leaders who say otherwise are willfully mischaracterizing the teachings of their religions. 
Well, I'm running out of time, but I'd love for her to read Genesis 25, Psalm 22, Luke chapter 1, the reference to John the Baptist in the womb of her mother, leaping in the womb of her mother, David proclaiming that God knew him in the womb, and dozens of other scriptures. It is absolutely amazing the willful, and I mean willful, ignorance of leftist theologians. Which leads me to what I say so often. The left, whether it's political or theological, destroys and kills everything it touches. And leftism begins with destroying authority. Politically, that's the Constitution. You can't be a liberal leftist and really believe that the Constitution is the ultimate authority for America. You cannot be a leftist theologian and actually believe that the Bible is completely, totally true without error and the ultimate final authority in all things. You can't. You can't be a liberal and believe in the authority of Scripture. Texas Heartbeat Bill is unchristian. I say so because I am a biblical scholar. Wow. All right. We'll, We'll take a break and we'll be back. 